0: Welcome to Shilling Speakers Podcast. We come to you monthly from Shilling Speakers Toastmasters Club, an online club with global membership.
1: That's here, District 91, Southern UK.
2: Dear listeners, welcome to Shilling Speakers Podcast. This month, it's me, Violeta Saladiene. And me, Vijay Sal.
0: And I'm Angela Cook.
2: And I'm Paul Greenway. And as you can see, we don't have Audrey Law, because Audrey is away. And today we start our podcast, as usually, with onions and roses. So, Angela, virtual microphone is yours.
0: Thank you, Violeta. Thank you very much. Yes, our toxic world is getting more and more toxic. And one of the scary things about it is we're not knowing that. They're keeping this information from us. We have a plethora of cancer-linked contaminants in tap water throughout the world. We have cancer-causing potassium bromate in our bread and break goods that we all buy and eat every day. There's a huge increase in childhood cognitive disorders and endocrine disruption from toxic chemicals. And I'm really concerned about the rising amounts of toxic chemicals and pesticides in our food sources worldwide. Yikes. I have been persnickety for years about additives and pesticides in my own diet, and I keep tabs with the EWG every year. That is the Environmental Working Group in the United States. Each year, they provide chemical reports based on laboratory studies for myriads of Things, The one I keep on my refrigerator door and update annually is the Dirty Dozen list and the Clean 15 list. Do you know of this? The Dirty Dozen are, of course, the most violated and toxic. If you cannot buy organic, these are the 12 dirtiest toxin-filled to avoid at all costs. The Clean 15, on the other hand, you can buy even non-organic with a little more confidence but always buy organic if you can these things cannot be washed out the dirty dozen list for the uk is based on pan uk analysis so those of you in the uk may know of it or maybe check with philippa she's a great resource for you right here in shilling speakers those of you in europe just know that you have much more sane laws and in lessening Or eliminating pesticides compared to the very toxic United States. Let me read you the two dirty dirty dozen lists quickly. Starting from the worst in the UK, grapefruit, mandarins, strawberries, oranges, dried grapes, herbs, pre-packed salads, grapes, lemons, pears, peaches and nectarines, and spinach. And in the U.S., strawberries, spinach, kale, collard greens, mustard greens, peaches, pears, nectarines, apples, grapes, bell and hot peppers, cherries, blueberries, and green beans. I suspect this is something that all of us eat every day. So there you have it. Hope you are doing all you can with your eyes open and taking good care of your health. No one will take better care of you than you will. On that scary note, back to you, Violeta.
2: That's really scary note. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And next is Vijay. Vijay, what do you want to share with our listeners? Is it uh, onions or roses?
3: I'll go with roses.
2: Fabulous.
3: Okay. Well, I guess my roses are affirmations. So affirmations are something which I've been experimenting with in the past few months. And what is an affirmation? It's a, a statement which... I repeat several times, usually about three times. So I have a set of maybe 10 or 12 and run through the list and then run through the list again and again, usually three times each morning. Affirmations are something that I was very skeptical of before, before this year, simply because I didn't think that they would work. There didn't seem to be any logical reason for why saying something a few times would actually lead to any kind of change. But I heard from other people who'd experimented with affirmations and they were really swearing by the fact that it worked for them. So I thought, well, if I'm sacrificing three minutes of my day, then what's the most I can lose? Let's give this thing a try. And the best thing that could happen is it could work. So I've been, I've been experimenting with affirmations for several months now. And I can say that for a very, very small outlay of time, very, very little effort, no risk as such. I do feel that there's change going on in terms of my mindset, and it does take a few months for it to kick in, but I do feel that my mind is changing over a period of months. Uh, there, there is a bit of a skill to it. So what I've found is that I have to write the affirmation in such a way that it resonates. And what does resonate mean? It's not a precise science, it's more of an art. So it's the right word, the right meaning, the right structure in such a way that I feel something. And if I can say that affirmation in such a way that I feel something and it elicits a response, then I know it's it's hitting somewhere. So I found that after maybe three months of something like this, three, four months, I, ca- I found that just walking around in my everyday life, thoughts are something which are not something I directly control. You know, if I was to walk into a situation and uh, let's say I'm driving and somebody cuts me off, I may have a, an instant reaction to that. But what i've found with affirmations is after about three or four months if i'm in a similar situation the default reaction can be slightly different as per as for what i've been saying in my affirmation and there's nothing else i've been doing to to contribute to that change so that's how i how i think and i know that it is the affirmations that are driving that change so just to wrap that one up then why is why have i said that it's a, a rose Just because something so simple, so easy requires no training and takes three minutes can actually have a positive impact. It can only be a good thing. So there we go.
2: Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Vijay. That's very interesting. And uh, well, I would say I do have my affirmations. Sometimes I forget to say them every day. Sometimes I do it every second or three times a week. But I do agree with you. They do make a positive effect to their life what about you paul are you going for roses or onions i'm not sure if it's a
1: rose or an onion i recently visited nordic countries and i spent a week in finland at the end of it and their society is characterized by that strong communal ethos or a collaborative spirit you know and it's evident in their their social welfare system public services, education actually is surprisingly different to how it is here in the UK and Ireland. The accessibility to all you know, supported by a tax structure that promotes, I guess, egalitarianism uh, or at least universal benefits. You know, so they are a blend of market economy principles with that sort of welfare state to ensure the possibility, I guess, of social mobility. Whereas down here, UK and Ireland, you know, I, I'm guessing a little bit more onions than roses. We're a little bit more individualistic. You know That personal success and independence is, is pretty highly valued rather than the, the community-centric way of thinking. So I'm not sure which one is the rose and which one is the onion after being up there recently. You know, the differences in, in the norms and the values between the two, they really seem to be culturally ingrained but they are very, very different, which is why it came to my mind that this was onion, rose, but which one is which, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. But it does underscore the diversity of societies and how they work, especially here within, not just Western Europe, but I guess all of Europe and how different it is within a few hundred kilometers. Made me think this week, made me think.
2: That's all I got for it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Paul. Dear listeners, we finish up our first part of Shilling Speakers podcast. Stay with us and wait for the part two where we have our special guest. Dear listeners, welcome to the second part of Shilling Speakers podcast. Today we have a special guest. VJ grew up in the West Midlands in the UK and was fairly studious as a child. He went to uni in Manchester to study physics and then he lived in London and wanted to try different jobs after graduating. Eventually ended up in an IT job and since then have worked in IT. Then he moved around the country working different jobs since then. Currently, he lives in Newcastle. He is 38 now. Works as a business analyst in IT. Which means he has meetings to elicit requirements for stakeholders. So please welcome our guest Vijay Patel. Hello Vijay. Lovely to have you here as a guest.
3: Thank you, Violetta, and thank you for the warm welcome. It's lovely to be here for the first time.
2: Vijay, you are a member of Feeling Speakers and you joined Toastmasters, I would say, at least our club you joined a couple of months ago. Isn't that so?
3: Yes, that's right.
2: And my first question that I would like to ask you is, um, what is the reason, what is the story Of joining you Toastmasters
3: that's that's a good question and I have to confess it's more a reason of necessity rather than desire initially and really I guess the the driver was that I you know I left school left uni went into the workplace and realized that I was not a confident speaker and I was having trouble giving presentations and kind of speaking in meetings and things like that And I found that I was experiencing very strong nerves. It wasn't always an issue, but I found that there were kind of certain key events that happened, key moments where I felt that I hadn't really presented myself and shown myself up in a way that I was happy with in front of others. And I felt that, you know, I really need to do something about this. I need to reach out. I need to get help. I need to practice. I need to do something. And I found out about Toastmasters. To be honest with you, I can't remember how it was that I found out about Toastmasters. It may have been Google, it may have been something online. But somehow I heard about it and it really looked like this is the thing that I need. And it it's seemed like a very unique thing because I remember at the time thinking there aren't that many other organizations that seem to cater for someone who wants to improve at public speaking. It's not some, it's not something that's widely catered for. So, yeah, it seemed like a very unique organization. It seemed like a very good organization. I came to an initial meeting, and it seemed very, very positive. Really liked the the vibes and the energy of the people there. And I felt like it was the right place to be for me to improve public speaking. Uh, So this is uh, the second time uh, I've joined uh, uh, Toastmasters. Well, not the first time, rather. So initially, years ago, I've moved around a lot as part of my work. You know, you mentioned I work in IT. So one of, one of the banes of my life is that I've worked on a lot of different projects and because of the software I was working on, it just necessitated me moving around the country, which I tried my hardest to avoid, but I kind of couldn't really avoid it for for many years. So I ended up living in a lot of different UK cities. And for that reason, I was a member of a previous Toastmasters, where I kind of started, did a few speeches, but I was very, very hesitant in the other club. So I found that I joined and waited like months and months. Um, before I even gave the first speech and then waited a very long time before attempting a second speech. So I was very, very hesitant in that journey. And looking back on it, I do feel that it was a great opportunity, which I didn't really leverage as much as I could have to really get the most out of it. So this second time around, I feel like I want to try and extract more juice from the fruit of shilling speakers, as it were, a bit faster so maybe maybe I don't want to manually extract that juice. Maybe I need some kind of blender to just machine that juice out a bit. Okay. There we go. That analogy has gone a bit um, fruity there. But you know what I mean.
2: Yes, I do. I do. And now you see a couple of months passed and you already, you're already, already in Shilling Speakers podcast. That's great. I think you are doing right steps and uh, you will... Squeeze that lemon or orange, and you get much more juices out of that in the future. Definitely. That's the shilling effect.
3: That is the shilling effect. Absolutely. It's working on me.
2: True. (laughs) On all of us, I believe. And um, uh, the next question I would like to ask you um, about your hobbies. Uh, you wrote in your bio that you have a lot of hobbies like meditation, personal development, psychology, getting fit, watching UFC, reading, business, crypto. What's your the most favorite hobby All of it, from all of this um, list?
3: That's a that's a difficult one. Maybe I like different things for different reasons. But actually, very surprisingly, I really like watching the UFC. Which for people who don't know what that is, it's mixed martial arts. So it's a, a sport in which you have two combatants effectively, and they're they're fighting each other, but they can do any move from any martial art. And it's it's a it's a little bit violent. I'll be honest with you. It's a little bit aggressive. But and you may wonder how, how is this relatively mild mannered person into such a, a ferocious sport? One of my friends from school got a job editing for this company and he makes the uh, the promotional videos that go out. Uh and that they, they are like they are shown worldwide, basically, the, the videos he makes. So he uh, he got my me and my other friends some free tickets to go and watch an event. And we've been hooked on it ever since. Mainly because of the the guts and the skill set. So the the skills it takes to be able to face somebody on you know where they can throw any move from any martial arts that's a serious amount of skill that that you need to to operate up in that kind of environment and the guts it takes to to go and do it i think it's uh, it's hard not to respect people who are who are able to do that for a living
2: and um, uh, sorry but i want to ask you oh what stands for ufc what uh, well, what's that
3: ultimate fighting championship
2: okay Fine, yeah, that's for our international audience that it's Ultimate Fighting Championship. Is that right? Yeah, I'm right?
3: It is, that's right.
2: Fantastic, yeah. And now I see you have um, you know, one of the hobbies that is reading. What books do you like to read?
3: You know, I usually read business-related books, business or psychology-related books. That's To be honest, the topics vary over time, but at the moment, they're the two things that I'm interested in. Business, because I've, I've been working in the corporate world for around just under 20 years now, so I'm 39 years old, and I've, I've kind of spent the first decade of that working for others in a full-time job, and the second decade working for myself just as an independent. But at some point, I'd like to pull the trigger and actually maybe work in a startup or something like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of losing my shirt, and maybe spending years and years on something that completely fails. So I'm doing lots of reading on that topic to try and figure out, is there some kind of secret source to how to make a move like that and make it successful? Sounds like there is. It sounds like there's also quite a, there's a a, a not insignificant chunk of luck and maybe just some variables that you can't control in there as well. But there, there does also seem to be some method to the madness from what I can tell. So yeah, I like to read about business. I like to read by authors who, who've been su- been successful in that field and who've got some very tangible experience to talk about what they've done. Yeah, I think if you if you were to ask me about my favorite business book, I, I get the feeling that you're about to ask that question. So maybe I'll just answer it before you do. Like... <laughs>
2: yes, exactly. That's what <laughs> I wanted. That was my next question.
3: See great minds you know there. We... Uh, I I think it would have to be Peter Thiel. Zero to One. That's a very interesting book. He's he's talking about the principles of how to go from nothing to something in the world of business, which is probably the hardest thing. Interesting character. He's so he was one of the co-founders of PayPal, and since then he's been a venture capitalist in many, many, many successful companies. And he's uh, part of a group, a, a group of entrepreneurs who, between them, have have founded many, many successful companies. It's this is something that would take a long time to explain. And if anyone's interested, I encourage them to look up Peter Deal uh, in in their own time. But Peter was a guy who his strength was strategy and strategic thinking. So he wasn't necessarily the most super technical person. He wasn't the best at coding. Uh, he wasn't the best operationally in terms of organizing the, the people as a manager, but his thing was st- kind of strategic thinking. And he, he used that talent to to be successful. And I think that's the reason why his book is so good, because he explains it in a very, very logical and clear way, but almost in a big picture kind of way, which maybe others don't explain. So I, I, I like Peter Still for that reason. I like his book. BJ,
1: you just take you back for a few moments, if I might, to UFC and Mixed Martial Arts. Why is there such a connection or at least a following? No, actually a connection. There's a lot of people from tech and IT world who both follow and participate in MMA. What is the connection? Why is there such an appeal to those with a tech industry background from Mixed Martial Arts? Any thoughts on why? You're not the only one. Um, I work in the same industry, and there are many, many people
3: with this focus. It's, it's interesting. I did have this debate with a, a tech industry colleague who was not interested in mixed martial arts. And I was, I was trying to explain to him the why it's more interesting than, for example, boxing. And, and this is the analogy I use. If, if you try and compare, compare the complexity of games as you increase... Let's say board size, number of pieces, and number of moves, mm-hmm. so you've got something like knots and crosses, three by three, there's two moves and knots and a cross it's pretty simple, yep, but you can move up to drafts, which is an eight by eight, and there's a few more pieces, few more moves, a bit more interesting, but then you can go up to chess, which yes, it's an eight by eight, but you've got a lot more pieces and a lot more moves, and I guess the ultimate is if you start playing. Uh, platform games online where you've got an infinite number of characters however many you can code a level that's infinitely big however you want to make it you can have magic special powers all sorts of things the number of variables just becomes huge and it's it's almost the the board size the moves and the players increases the interest of the game so that was a bit of an abstract answer so you're wondering well what's this got to do with ufc this is my theory this is my personal theory. I think if you compare boxing to mixed martial arts, how many moves are there in boxing? You've got the jab, you've got the straight right, uppercut, uppercut, and hook, hook. That's like six moves. If you really want to get fancy, maybe a couple of old bands. There's only like eight moves in boxing. It's pretty. It's like it's like the noughts and crosses of combat sport. Mm-hmm. But when you go to USC, you can do any move from any martial arts with, without any kind of dirty moves. That's that's a huge variety of moves. It's like going from knots and crosses to a chessboard. But it's just, you, you have to think of it that way. But it's the combat sport equivalent of that, I think. I think that's what makes it interesting. And I think that's why techie people who are probably a bit nerdy might like it.
1: I'm with you. Uh, that makes sense. I, I'd even go slightly, well, maybe off on a tangent, but just the way my head is going on it from your description. It's about removing the constraints. Because when, you, when you're thrown a problem in the tech world, you're often given a, well, just solve this. I don't care how you do it, just solve it. And MMA is a little bit like that, notwithstanding the aspect of you know, not following through on, let's call it, the dirty moves. But it is, it's an expectation that you can bring skills from anywhere to get to the end result. But I like the analogy to the gaming and the fact of, changing the complexity i'm going to steal that if you don't mind
3: no go for it it's, it's a bit of a strange one to, to think about no but, but
1: it, it does make sense it does make
3: sense yeah it, it does doesn't it because i mean in but back to the technology thing maybe if you think of it in terms of game development mm-hmm. like you could think of it in terms of computer game development how do you make a computer game better than the previous generation of computer games you could think of it in terms of moves characters and, mm-hmm. and the layout Yep. It is, is martial arts as a sport not just a game? How, how could you develop any game to make it better? you, know, you take football, what people around the world call soccer. Yep. Uh you take any game, how could you develop it to make it the next to, to make it the next version of it? Yep. So yeah, I think um and, and if if you're a fan of combat sport, maybe you know the story of Dana White and how the, the UFC started. He didn't found it, but he did buy it when it was very young. Mm-hmm. Like if memory serves, he bought it as something ridiculous like Eight million dollars, or some some very at that time small amount of money, and I'm pretty sure they they sold it not not too long ago for four or five billion. And they did an amazing job at, at growing this company. So you know, in the world of people who are interested in technology and startups, there's a there's a masterclass right there in how to grow a business. And I do feel that the UFC fits the the bill of a disruptive business because I do feel that it disrupted boxing by developing
1: the game i agree i I would take it to one step further however is that the disruptor may have plateaued at the moment and it has become the new norm so is is mma and ufc type but ufc type organizations but mma as a group is it continuing to evolve i think it's maybe become a little bit stagnant it's it's like looking at a game and waiting for the The next iteration and what's about to change in it something's got to change i hope at least
3: yeah it's a good point there's i I guess in internal to mma in in the history of the sport let's say the last 30 years Mm there have been some changes in style haven't there so if you you imagine the first generation of fighters where Mm -hmm. they're essentially arguing about who had the best martial arts you know my kung fu is better than your karate or my karate is better than your judo or whatever. That was like the first generation, but it got out of that, and they became kind of true mixed martial artists where everybody did everything, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yes. Very I, much so. I, I kind of see your point that as long as you're a human being with two arms, two legs, there perhaps there is a limit as to what what can be done. How you know how? Perhaps there's only so many permutations that you can that you can get to. I don't know. I'm
1: not sure there's a limit to the permutations, but I think there is the next stage of evolution for MMA. And I have no idea where it's going to come from, but I do think it needs to move forward. Not immediately. It's probably a five-year window on it before it's, it's really starting to get to that almost a standard sport. It's, it's novelty, maybe, is, is where I'm going, that its novelty factor has has diminished naturally over time. And what are they going to introduce to make it the next version. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted, Violetta. I was just uh, that connection between MMA and and the IT world.
2: That's lovely. That's lovely. I had just heard the analysis of uh, all martial arts and uh, how many moves each of them have. That was great. Thank you. Thank you very much. And moving on, uh, just I want to shoot a couple of last questions. What's your favorite sport? For getting fit?
3: Well at the moment I'm trying to go swimming three times a week so it's swimming something again so I'm, I'm in a bit of a phase where I'm trying to do personal development and for me that means picking things that I'm historically not good at and trying to improve at them. Obviously Toastmasters and speaking is one of them. Another one is swimming so swimming is something I've historically not been good at so I'm trying to get good at swimming and I'm starting with the basics trying to just get a little bit fitter a little bit more motivated i'm trying to wake up early and go swimming before work i think there's a lot of benefits to doing it it isn't just swimming it's all all the ancillary benefits around it that that really i'm i'm getting something from as well so yeah right now swimming next year but today swimming.
2: yeah that's very good for your body for muscles for relaxation and my next question is about meditation do you have a special meditation type you use uh, you can share with our listeners or just a regular one and how often do you do that
3: uh, i'd say i um, my, my method primarily is the sit and do nothing method as such which is just a kind of observation and try not to do any specific technique so i think if you if you pick a technique and try and do the technique there's the the trying and then the whole dilemma of have i done it right or wrong and all this kind of stuff and you're preoccupying yourself with an activity so there's an argument that the best way of meditating is don't bother with a technique just drop the whole thing and just literally just do nothing but just be present with that so I, i favor that method i think that's good uh as a as a and and i've got other members of my family who are interested in spirituality as well and we do debate sometimes about what is the better way of meditating so i've got family members who absolutely think that Meditating is nonsense, and you should just try and be more present in your everyday life, and that is the that is the real way to be spiritual. And others who think, well, meditating is boring, and just being present isn't enough. You should do yoga, and that's a better way. So, I think, from what I can tell, there's many different ways of trying to become a bit more self-aware and maybe just become a bit calmer as a result of it. There isn't just the one way. But for me personally, I like to do a little bit of everything. the three things i mentioned all those three are good for me including the the do nothing method of of self-observation
2: yes yes i do believe and i think i will try some of this what you said especially now when christmas are coming this festive season and uh, i promised myself not to work from 20th of december and have all that time just to myself Thank you, VJ, for coming and thank you for being our guest. That's quite Adela- all right.
3: Thank you for having me. I've had a great time and I'm sure I'll come back again sometime as well.
2: Yes, you are always welcome. And with this, dear listeners, we finish up our second part of Schilling Speakers podcast. Stay with us as we have an interesting soapbox in our third part. Mm-hmm. Dear listeners, today in our soapbox, we have Vijay. So Vijay,
3: floor is yours. Thank you for that introduction. Today I'm going to give an icebreaker speech, and it's going to be a combination of two things. If you imagine a Christmas carol and an icebreaker where I'm introducing myself to this group and mash them together and mangle it all up, maybe into some kind of 12-step structure, that is what this speech is going to be. So if I kick it off like this, let me say this. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me the conclusion to an icebreaker speech and we'll come back to that on the second day of christmas my true love gave to me the o2 arena in london so the o2 arena in london was the first time that i watched a live ufc fight which is mixed martial arts for people who don't know uh, one of my friends from school works for that company and managed to get me and my other friend free tickets and ever since then i've been a huge fan of the sport i particularly admire the skill set of the fighters and the guts it takes to go and do what they do so if anyone ever wants to talk to me about the USC, then I'm your man. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me swimming three times a week. Swimming is something that I've been saying for many years that I'm going to improve at because I'm not very good at it. And every year I make an excuse and I don't do it. Well, this year is different. This year I've bitten the bullet and I'm actually doing the thing I've said I was going to do. So I'm currently going swimming three times a week as a beginner, but that's fine. And improving very slowly. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four clients that I've worked with since quitting my permanent employment and working for myself. So I've been doing that for seven years. I work in IT and I've worked for three clients in the insurance industry and one in the justice system that I'm currently working with. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 5 a.m. in the morning. So I'm trying to do this whole personal development, personal growth kick, maybe you could call it and I'm trying to wake up at five o'clock in the morning on weekdays and do these personal growth activities before work. Things like swimming, running, affirmations, journaling, yoga, meditation, or anything else that I can think of, uh, mix and match it on the day. And I've done that for a big chunk of this, this year so far, and I feel very good because of it. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, the reason I joined Toastmasters, and that's because I would say over the past few years, I've had six experiences, which I would describe as being very, very difficult and challenging and also uncomfortable in terms of me public speaking. And as a result of that, it kind of drove me to the point where I said, you know, what? I need to do something about this. I need to improve. I need to join a Toastmasters and work my public speaking. So here we are. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a seven day water fast people who don't know what a water fast is, it's where you don't eat any food and you only drink mineral water. It's a way of detoxing your body and uh, re- re- kind of reinvigorating it with health. And I did this because in my early 30s, I had some health complications, which none of the doctors could fix. I went through multiple doctors. They all said, can't do anything. You're on your own, basically. And I ended up reverting to or resorting to natural healing methods. So I found a person online who was big into water fasting, followed their regimen and managed to clear up my health. And as a result of that, I'm now a person who very much believes in lifestyle changes and uh, things like that to tackle health and chronic health issues. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me meditation. Uh, And meditation could come in many forms, many different lineages of teaching. You could say the the eightfold noble path in Buddhism. You could say the eight uh, forms of Shiva in Hinduism or any other one that you want to pick. For me personally meditation is just a thing which i do for short periods it helps feel a bit calmer helps me settle down helps me breathe a bit better and actually overall it's increased my self-awareness which is always a very good thing so i recommend that to anyone on the ninth day of christmas my true love gave to me the year of 2009 which is the year that i went traveling with my friend robin around southeast asia so we went to thailand went to Laos, went to cambodia went to vietnam stayed in all the cheapest places took all the cheapest transport which obviously made for lots of fun went trekking in the jungles went to halong bay which is a beautiful area of coastline in vietnam went to angkor wat the ancient temples in in cambodia and generally had a great time on the 10th day of christmas my true love gave to me 10 days of therapy then 10 weeks sorry of therapy so about a year and a half ago after much pestering from a couple of my friends i took a jump and had some therapy, some psychotherapy, some shadow work, which is a modality of therapy espoused by Carl Jung, who was a protege of Sigmund Freud. So I went on this weekend away, which was then followed by 10 weeks of therapy coaching. And it ended up being one of the best things I've done in in years, quite frankly, significantly opened my eyes to things that happened in my childhood in my life. And again, significantly improved my self-awareness, I would say, which has helped me uh, a huge amount. On the 11th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 11,000 U.S. dollars, which is the price at which I bought Bitcoin in 2020 and ever since I've been on this crazy roller coaster, journey, but roller coaster journey with it up and down and I'm still on it. And on the 12th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me the day I was born, which is the 12th of February, 1984. So to round all of this off, 12 is the 12th of February, 1984, when I was born. 11 is $11,000 the price of Bitcoin. 10 is 10 weeks of shadow work, which really helps me, therapy. Nine is the year 2009 traveling around Southeast Asia. Eight is meditation. Seven is transformation of health. Six is the reason I joined Toastmasters. Five is waking up at five in the morning. Four is four clients since I've worked myself. Three is going swimming three times a week. Two is the O2 arena in London. And one is one conclusion to, a, to icebreaker speech. Thank you all for listening and wish you all a Merry Christmas.
2: Thank you, Vijay. You are really blessed to get 12 gifts from your love for Christmas. Fantastic. Very touching.
1: Okay, everybody. This is Paul just saying goodbye from this episode. You know, the winter solstice is on our doorstep, which does you know embrace the whole planet, reminds us of that dance of light and darkness. So winter darkness. Adios.
3: And this is Vijay saying bye and i hope you all have a fantastic festive period with your family and friends and don't eat too much food
2: and i say cheerio from me Violetta Soladiene, to all of you listeners and i wish you joyful winter
0: season and this is angela cook wishing you a peaceful and joyful and blessed holiday season while we change the seasons and We look forward to light and love. And together with the team, we invite you to reflect on today's topics and join us again for more enlightening discussions. Stay curious, and please subscribe and share with your friends. And Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Year.